Food Startups Podcast listeners, welcome to episode 90. We have a very, very exciting show today. It's about a food company that's trying to change income equality with indigenous people in Vietnam in the Central Highlands. So before I go and enter the, them in, I'm going to just have them tell a few anecdotes about life in the Central Highlands of Vietnam to understand the the situation and an episode will go about how they're trying to solve that. So please share, you know, a few uh, anecdotes. Sure. Thank you, Matt. I think the first thing that I realized was the heightened politically political sensitivity when I was there. So being of like, I wasn't from Vietnam and I didn't grow up in Vietnam. And so being someone from Hong Kong, they were automatically kind of more skeptical as to why I was in this rural area that isn't typically visited by tourists. And they kind of had given the background in the Central Highlands where the government would has previously clashed with the ethnic minority communities. They were very careful and constantly asked us to report to them what our daily schedule was like and where we were and policemen would come to our host family and see what we were up to and to make sure that I wasn't someone sent by the Chinese government. And so as soon as we got to the area, we spent the first two hours in a police station where they just like did background checks on us and made phone calls to the city to make sure that we were fine to be there and we were okay to be there. And so that's definitely the first thing that I realized and was very different from the city, which was very, very tourist friendly. And here they were very careful. Right. And it was, they were very friendly, but at the same time, they keep an eye on us uh, every single minute we were there. And even though I was a, a Vietnamese native, but to them, someone who was studying from the US and come back to the area and was doing research, that's a very remote idea to the people and especially the police. And so we were under a lot of eyes for sure when we were doing the research uh, in the Central Highlands. And especially going another point about the living condition and ha what we observed when we were there is that it's very different from the city. I myself grew up in the city, not Ho Chi Minh City, but where, you know, the road, the condition, transportation, it was very comfortable. And the, con the country has changed a lot. But when we first we got into got out of the airport in Daklak, one of the province uh, of the Central Highland. It took us hours and hours in order to get to our host family. The road get pumpier, you know, there was just dominated by trucks from multinational companies that transporting black peppers and other agricultural produce in and out of the towns. From what we observed, it was really hard for the villagers, the communities there in order to get to basic things like a city, like a market or even a hospital, things like that. So definitely there is a big change in terms of like from what you can see between places like Ho Chi Minh City, where you see like uh, cars and tourists. And there's just a lot of amenities. While when we go up here, there's just like a big difference from. Okay. And, yeah. and thank you. And. We're going to go into that in the episode, but listeners, if you're in the U.S. or wherever you are, or in Europe, wherever you're listening to this, so I just wanted to paint the picture of how things are in the central highlands of Vietnam, and now we will explore the ethnic income inequality and how the XOI company, the two founders who just spoke, are going to try and solve that. To the Food Startups Podcast. You just need the packaging to shout off the shelf. It's a different world when you actually think about adding value. But to be able to play now is definitely going to require some new thinking out there. Hang out with us and learn how to grow your food business. 
So the two founders I have today are recent graduates of Brown University. They made a trip to the Central Highlands of Vietnam in 2013 as part of a research grant where they encountered the GAC fruit and now are tackling ethnic inequality with the ADE, which is the largest minority group in Vietnam via social entrepreneurship. They've done an Indiegogo that has raised over $30,000 and the Embark Fellowship for $25,000. And they're both double majors in economics and international development. Lynn Tran and Myron Lamb. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thank you. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, as we're talking, I think it's really interesting. You guys are both double majors in economics, international development, and you're working with a micro economy or, you know, a smaller economy in Vietnam and doing international development work. So it's pretty cool that you're doing a impactful social startup, exactly what you majored in, because that's actually pretty rare. Right, right. We didn't Planet, but it was always coming from what we originally interested in. And we choose our academic interest major in, in those area. And with the academic program at Brown, Brown actually has a lot of opportunities for students to do more research and apply what they study in the classroom outside. Uh, in reality, like doing more research. And so that I think that's also why what we're working now directly related to what we're studying. So that's great. I, I think, think it's... Go ahead. Yeah, and I think it's uh, because this project primarily started off as a research project, and that's why it's so closely tied to what we study, because ultimately how we found out about this fruit was through this research grant that we received from Brown. And also I ended up writing my thesis on uh, ethnic inequality and trying to uh, in Vietnam and trying to use social entrepreneurship as a tool to reduce that. And so I guess that's why. Yeah. Great. And when did you guys meet each other? We were friends just in freshman year at Brown and also because we were taking we were starting to take a lot of classes in economics and also in development together. And so that's how we became friends and sort of sharing the same interest in development and social entrepreneurship, as well as some other activities outside of the classroom. And so that's how we sort of started to bounce off ideas to each other. And in sophomore year, we decided to go to the Central Highland of Vietnam to do the research. That's awesome. And so just... On both your backgrounds, Lynn, you grew up in Vietnam. At what age did you come to the United States? So I grew up in Vietnam. And when I was 17, I moved to Norway for two years. And I came to the U.S. in 2011. So just starting freshman year at Brown. So five years ago. Okay. And Lynn, I want to know a little bit more. Did you grow up in Ho Chi Minh City or what part of Vietnam? I actually grew up in a small town that's to the south of Ho Chi Minh City, so not exactly in the city. So like a, like a suburb maybe? or It's just a smaller city. It's, I wouldn't say it's a suburb, but it's definitely a smaller city, less crowded, less active like Ho Chi Minh City. It's more like on the coast, not that many people, and definitely not like at the level of Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh City is, one, is the largest city in Vietnam, so... Right, right. Okay. And so I guess here's my question. So, you know, you guys are working with the A-Day with the, with the GAC fruit and solving a, you know, tackling a really large problem there. Now you are part of the, I guess, if this is correct term, the ethnic majority in Vietnam. Right, right. It's called the King and it's about 80, above 80 to 90% of the populations are from the, the King, which is the majority ethnic group. And the minorities are we have 54 different ethnic groups, but the king accounts for like more than 80% of the population. And the rest is the other 53 groups, which mostly live in the Central Highlands or the Northern Highlands. And growing up, did you have interactions with Thede when you were when you were younger? 
No, not at all. I spent most of my childhood in the city. We study a lot, and there is a lot of news, and there's always you know news coming up talking about the inequality or the economic development in those area with the ethnic minorities. But I never really had the interact like direct interaction with the population either in the northern or the central highlands of Vietnam until the summer of 2013. So I, I I knew a lot about the the issue, but I never actually had the direct interaction with the uh, community. And Lynn is I don't know, you know, I'd be curious the landscape there. Is there any type of of racism or prejudice against the the Ede? I wouldn't say there is a strong racism or prejudice against the community, but there is definitely a gap in wealth, and there is a huge disparity between the highlands and also the the majority ethnic majority group in uh, the cities and the government does have a lot of effort in terms of providing free education helping uh, children or you know uh, teens or youth from the central highland or from the ethnic any ethnic minority groups to study in the city and there is some level but i wouldn't say there is a big issues in terms of prejudice but the only the biggest problem would be the differences in wealth and economic development Gotcha. Okay. So it's like income and wealth. Okay, cool. Right, right. And Myron, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Hong Kong, actually. And I came to uh, the US Lake Lynn for college five years ago. Wow. And okay, so and what's the population of Hong Kong? Seven million people. Seven million people, but it's, it's really small, right? Yeah, very compact space, very crowded, very high population density. I've heard, tell me if this is correct, that if you want to like own a car in Hong Kong, the, the taxes are like really, really expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buying a car in Hong Kong would probably cost you double amount of money for the same model in the US. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Okay. And so that's cool. So you guys have similar paths, right? Both from from you know, different parts of, of Asia and, and coming to the US. So let's, um, I want to move. Okay, so I want to move over to, I guess I'll call this like the, the mission statement of your company, right? You know, you, I mean, obviously, it starts with helping the A-Day and, and kind of closing that that uh, income inequality gap, right? And then and how are you going to do that? So I'm, I'm quoting this right here. Our vision is to become the biggest GAC fruit wholesaler in the country. So, you know, I want to start from there, right? That's, that's the vision that you guys have. And, you know, we'll come back to that. But let's start off with the, with the time you spent in the Central Highlands. You know, Myron or Lynn, whoever wants to begin, how did this happen? Like, tell us about how you discovered the, the GAC fruit and what made you interested in, in saying, hey, we can actually work with this. Yeah, for sure. So as we... Uh, said before in the summer of 2013, we wanted to do some you know, research directly di- directly related to our study. So we picked ethnic inequality because I have known about the issue in Vietnam, and we wanted we con- contact a couple of uh, families in the Central Highlands. Uh, the province is called Dak Lap. It's one of the five provinces in the Central Highlands of Vietnam. And so through a couple of friends and connection, we decided we contact the host the then host family that we live with during that summer of 2013 and so we we went up there sort of just wanted to spend the time with the family and the community from you know observation wanted to see what what's their living condition is what a living condition was uh, how they what is the main economic activities how are the dynamic between you know the villagers and the community that, that sort of stuff we didn't have any specific goal apart from just wanted to learn more and 
cultivate like a connection and a relationship with the community in uh, Dakla. But so while we were living with the family, one day our host mother talked to us and introduced us to this spiky red fruit that grow in her backyard called the gak fruit. And I was as a Vietnamese native, I have been familiar with the gak fruit because it's traditionally it's been used in a sticky rice dish called soy gak in Vietnam for festivals and weddings. But I never knew any. I never knew about the health benefit or the high carotenoids, antioxidants amount in the gut fruit. So our host mother showed us the fruit and said that she's been interested in introducing it to the market due to like the recent scientific research coming out about the benefit of the fruit. And we thought that it could be an interesting way for us to actually turn the research project into something more as of like a business solution that's something more sustainable as a way to support the community. So we look into the fruit and we see a potential for it to be in the market in the U.S. And so that's how the idea for XOI started. Wow, that's amazing. Now, so Lynn and Myron, I'm, I'm curious, you saw how they lived, you know, for someone that's never been to Vietnam, you know, what are the, the living conditions like, you know, in terms of salary and how, you know, the everything, what is it like for the A-Day today in 2016? Right, so they've actually made progress uh, since, say, like 50, 60 years ago, especially given the economic boom of Vietnam, even though uh, compared to, say, like what Lim was saying in the cities, it's nothing like that at all. But they do have basic amenities like electricity and running water and things like that. In terms of like what it felt like as someone who hasn't really spent any time in significant time in Vietnam or uh, visited the Central Highlands before, I was because right before going to the Highlands, I spent a month or so in Ho Chi Minh City. And where and I was there, I worked for a property development company that was basically building this billion dollar township project uh, in the Delta region and displacing a lot of the indigenous people that used to live there. And so that was a huge contrast for me when I saw went to the Highlands. And even though they were living very basic ways and mainly doing farming, that compared to the billion dollar industry that I literally just witnessed like a week ago was like a good, a huge wake up call. And that's why I think planted the seed for us to want to do something to support the community and give them a more stable source of income. So, okay. So let's, let's go into the business model then. So right now, so tell me like the before and after what exactly is happening with the, the GAC fruit, you know, currently, you know, non XOI company intervention and what are you guys going to change? So the GAC uh, going before talking more into the business model, uh, the thing with the gak fruit is it's grow on vines. So with while we're working with the farmers, they don't actually have to remove or any of the curtain agricultural plants that they are growing, like coffee and black peppers. But they could actually combine the gak fruit and then grow the other plants underneath the vine. And the gak fruit plant doesn't require the same nutrition as like let's say coffee or black peppers it actually requires very little nutrition but it's a very nutritious food so, okay, so, so with us I'm gonna just interrupt you right. so i just want to make sure so this is actually this is great so this is an additional source because you know vietnam i know they they blew up with coffee right they have so much coffee mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. and so this is something mm -hmm. that they can grow as like a complement an additional product on the farm probably good for like the i would guess for like the the health of the soil as well and so this is an additional an additional right. uh source of income for farmers, which is great. Right. And we and how we dis, uh, think, distinguish ourselves is they grow coffee and black peppers and sell it to multinational uh, corporations from outside of Vietnam with a very cheap 
price and they sell like fresh coffee or fresh、uh, black peppers without going through any processing. And so it's actually they don't get get a lot of income from it. But it's you know it's one of the main. It's one of those two main like agricultural blends in the region. So while working with us, they don't actually have to cut reduce any of those activities, and it's an additional thing. But then they can also we wanted to engage them in the like Myron said like the manufacturing process, so that when they sell the ingredient to us, they can sell it at a higher price. And one thing I will add is that we give them a fixed price that regardless of the market price right now, we are ensuring that we can pay them a base price that is fair and. Uh, agreed upon, and will give them a stable source of income. And so,、uh, the thing with coffee、um, that happened in 2001 was that the coffee price fell from a dollar forty per kilo to forty cents per kilo. And so, a lot of these farmers suffered and had to go into debt because they couldn't cover their costs. And so, with us, we're hoping that they won't be exposed to this volatile, fluctuating market prices. That they would see in other plants as well. Well, and and Myron, I don't know. So we've had some coffee、uh, historians on the show. The way I understand it is that one of the reasons that the, it's kind of ironic. One of the reasons that the coffee price plummeted was because all of a sudden Vietnam got a huge, huge coffee crop, right? And they just exploded on the scene and they、uh, increased the supply like tenfold. And I'll give you a, a really interesting anecdote here in Colombia, right? So Colombia is another pretty well-known, you know, Colombian coffee、uh, coffee producer and. Okay, so I've become kind of a bit of like a, a coffee connoisseur or, or snob, whatever you want to call.、It. I've gotten into like specialty coffee, and、mm-hmm. I've, and there's something here. It's kind of like the Folgers of Colombia is called Cerrojo, like the red label. And so this is a huge coffee producing country, but that's actually imported. It's like the lowest quality coffee that comes from Vietnam is imported from Vietnam into Colombia, and that's cheaper than some of the low priced Colombian coffee here. So you can only imagine. You can only imagine what the farmers in、yeah. Vietnam who are farming that coffee are getting paid. I mean, it's it's got to be incredibly. Right. I, I don't know the price per pound, but cent, you know, way lower than a dollar per pound. Right, and the thing with the coffee plant is it's not native to the actual highlands, and so they're using a lot of the groundwater and a lot of、uh, fertilizer and、uh, irrigation, and that's not good for the environment either. Whereas the dark fruit grows naturally in our host mother's backyard. You know, like it was something that she didn't need to put a lot of time, effort, or resources into. That managed to go very healthy and very nutritious, good quality dark fruit. Amazing. Okay. Cool. So, okay. So the 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 Ebe or you know they're they're poor right now, better than I'm assuming you know fifty sixty years ago or obviously after like the whole you know the Vietnam War. So moving to the U.S., let's talk a little bit about how things have been so far on、uh, the U.S. You know, what are you guys doing right now, and what do you find to be your your biggest challenge? So two questions there. Right. So the first part, we officially founded the company in July of 2015. So since then, we you know worked on the product、uh, side. So working you know just in our own kitchen, developing the recipes, trying to kind of combine the gut fruit and its value into how to make something that's like. Attractive and appealing to the U.S. consumers to have high va- market value, so that we can introduce the fruit into the market. So we of- and then we officially launched the our product、uh, beverage line in the- at the end of January 2016 and the beginning of February. And since then, we focus. We are currently focusing a lot on in increasing distribution and sales and marketing. So a lot of Uh, trying to get more out there into sales accounts, stores. We're doing a lot of uh, underground uh, sampling demos and farmers market to you know directly educate the consumers about the gut fruit and health benefit. So that's pretty much where we're focusing our effort right now. Yeah. So we have three flavors. We have an apple caramel cider, a beets and berries, and a ginger rosemary pear that we developed in Lynn's kitchen actually. And <laughs> we're like Lynn said, I think. 
primarily our biggest challenge is educating people about this fruit that they've never heard about and what the benefits of this fruit are going to be. And that's primarily why we decided to start off with a beverage. When you're reading out our mission statement, we didn't want to be the biggest gawk beverage company. We want to be the biggest gawk wholesaler. But in order to become that, our first step is to tell people what gawk is. And that's why we decided with the beverage product, because we feel like that's something that people are very receptive to new things and especially superfruits. And it's just a great way for people to enjoy a product easily without hassle and very conveniently. That makes so much sense. And and Myron and, and Lynn here. So I, I want to mention to the listeners, this episode can be found at foodstartupspodcast.com slash XOI, uh, the name of the company. And so the, the okay, the photos I've seen, it's a really like, it's like a blood red. It's a very like vibrant right. color. It, it looks really, really cool. Right. Um, and I think you're right on. So we've had, you know, Baobab or Baobab, I guess it has two different pronunciations and I work kind of introducing exotic fruits to the US from Colombia and the same types of challenges with with education right you know what is it and and so you can kind of give a reference point so I'm curious if okay at a farmer's market and you have like five seconds and someone comes up to you say hey what is gack fruit what's your exact line right now that you've developed so we obviously trying to introduce the beverage first have them taste it and then when they like the beverage why they ta- they tasting the three flavors that we have then we would introduce that this is a super fruit that grow indigenously in Vietnam have a lot of antioxidants especially carotenoid antioxidants then I would com- I was used a lot comparing it to tomatoes and carrots which are the two things that people are most familiar with and so that's how they will be easily kind of remember, you know, the 70 times more lycopene than tomatoes, 10 times more beta carotene or vitamin A's than carrots. And then I will start introducing them about the health benefit associated to the gut fruit, which is eyes health, skin health, especially prostate health for men, reproductive health for women, and, and a lot of anti-aging properties, the immunity system, things like that. And so, you know, while the couple of seconds they tasting our product, uh, they already know what makes this a superfruit and what are the health benefits they can get from our product. Okay, so it's interesting. So I, you know, this is just my take, right, for me. So it's it's amazing. I can't wait to try it next time I'm in the in the Boston area. Or hopefully you guys will expand in New York by then. I'm curious because I feel like, and we saw this with the watermelon water, you also have to make like a an emotional appeal. And I, I think a part of that, you know, a part of that's going to be the work you're doing for the A-Day. But, uh, you know, also kind of like beverage brands usually kind of have to have this like sexy feel. So I'm curious in terms of like copy and like in the events, what do you do to kind of build not just the, like the statistics are impressive, right? The, you know, the, the 70X lycopene, then, then tomatoes, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I'll, I'm just going to put an interesting fact that Myron mentioned, but uh, so credit to Myron here. But so there's a whole cold press juice craze going on, but lycopene is kind of the opposite. It actually, with heat is released. You get, by using heat, you actually get more lycopene out of a, out of the, the gag fruit. But I, I guess, you know, what are you guys doing in terms of like the, the, the marketing and, and in terms, in terms of like the educational and emotional appeal? Well, I think ultimately the product needs to taste good. People are, even if we give this pitch about the gag fruit and they're so interested and they love the health benefits, if it doesn't taste good, there's no one's going to buy it. And so I think a lot of it is crafted around uh, we have three very interesting flavors uh, that's unique and that uses a lot of spices and herbs to add a additional health benefits, uh, such as, say, we use ginger rosemary, which is really good for digestion and stomach problems. And we use chamomile, which is amazing for stress relief and muscle relaxation. And so having them try it and realize that 
it's a very f- nicely fragrant and balanced beverage, as well as the fact that unlike a lot of juices out there, it only has 12 grams of sugar per bottle and 70 calories. And wow. it's really, yeah, so that's around like a third of what a lot of juices out there will have. And then not as not only is it healthy, but it doesn't taste like something that is exclusively healthy and it still tastes very pleasant and attractive is something that we try to push for and try to make people realize. And guys, what is um, it retailing for in stores? So our retailing for in store right now will be three ninety nine for a twelve ounce glass bottle. Yeah, that okay. that's that keeps the same for us as in independent natural food store and uh, farmers market and direct event that we're doing. And maybe for a bigger chain, it might pump up. A little bit, like a couple of cents, but that's the the range that we're going for right now. Because it's we want it to be uh, affordable and easily accessible for you know a lot of consumers to try and because it's a new fruit and we don't want it to be exclusive to a certain group or certain income group in the, in in the market. So definitely wanted to keep it at three ninety nine. I like the price point, and I also and I've got this advice from past guests on the show and some other people and. And fancy foods that it's really important to keep a pretty consistent price, especially in farmers markets. Because if you discount it in a farmers market and then they see it in the store, they 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 may be reluctant to buy it in the store. So I think that's right on. I I want to ask you guys one one final question here. So with Vietnam in Colombia, there's something called Pro Colombia, which is like the Colombian Exports Office. I feel like, and maybe you guys already have this type of help that. Vietnam, like the government, because it's also an export, will be interested in helping you guys out. Have you received any assistance from them in helping, you know, whether it's in Vietnam or with, you know, maybe like the embassy of Vietnam in the U.S.? Have you re- received any help from them in uh, with XOI and, and the Gakfruit? Well, we actually have reached out to the embassies and also a couple of contacts in the US, USDA uh, also have an office in Vietnam and they have a lot of contacts in the, you know, agriculture f- field. Uh, but directly from the government, we haven't really received either financial or some sort of direct uh, support. But we actually receive a lot of uh, support from universities when we were doing the research in the summer of 2013 and 2014 in Vietnam um, at the University of Agriculture in Ho Chi Minh City. We reached out to, you know, uh, scientists that were doing research on the gut fruit. And we actually received a lot of help in terms of, you know, looking for farmers who have been doing it for a long time, asking for uh, support and, you know, experience doing interviews and things like that. So we have received support from, let's say, like the academics, university, but not directly from the government, which we're hoping to push forward more in the future, for sure, because with the support of the government, it will be better in terms of coordinate and expanding our social impact with the uh, farmers in Vietnam, but that's something that we haven't. We had no, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I would say that it's still limited at the moment. Gotcha. Well, listen. I want to recommend that to you guys, and I can only speak from my experience in South America. But Peru does a great job, and I've had people contact me that want to bring uh, you know mesquite and things from Peru. Peru, Colombia does a great job. They just put on an event here. But these these countries, you know, all countries are interested in increasing their exports, and even cooler when you have like a, a social impact project and it's it's worth reaching out to these organizations you right. know, the, the export arms so for everyone listening well well listen i want to finish off here so you know you have your long-term vision which you mentioned to become the biggest gak fruit wholesaler in the country and that's you know it's a long-term thing but let's just say in the next six months what are your main goals that you have to uh get accomplished and you know let's say by coming september october of this year Right. I think now that we have a product and uh, we're starting to build our brand, it's definitely getting the word out there and getting our product onto more shelves. We're really starting off in the Boston area right now and hoping to build velocity as opposed to just 
getting on the shelves and not being able to get it off. And so we are right now we're in several grocery stores and several cafes and definitely looking to expand that in the Boston area within the next couple of months. And then the next step would be um, the other states in New England and then gradually New York and hopefully nationally as well, which would be a lot more long term. But yeah, in these next six months, it's definitely going to be concentrating in the Boston area and also generating buzz and publicity around the gak fruit as well as looking for a potential partner in the co-packing side. So right now we're talking to several commissaries or starting to talk to co-packers and distributors to streamline that process and make that more efficient. Great. Well, guys, listen, I want to make one recommendation to you. I don't know, uh, Lynn, I know you listen to the show. If you've heard the the Tessa Stewart, she's like the UK packaging expert and she worked with like Innocent, which is like the biggest smoothie brand. Yeah, it's the, it's the biggest uh, smoothie mm. brand, I believe, in, in the UK. And she has two books. I also interviewed her on the podcast. I'll link to the show, but she wrote one called Flying Off the Shelves. And then she wrote another one about packaging. But she's, you know, oh, wow. yeah. she does like packaging and user surveys. And she talks about like having an extroverted packaging, how, you know, you need to kind of like, you need to, even if you're an introverted person, you need to have extroverted packaging. But I highly recommend those books. They're like, they're very quick, like 50, 60 page reads, um, as well as any listeners that are in a similar situation um, as, as Myron and Lynn. Listen, it was amazing having you guys on the show. Like I said, I can't wait to try the Gag Fruit and best of luck and keep in touch with me as you guys grow your company. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Matt, for all your recommendations. It was great to be on the show too. Yeah, thank you for having us on the show, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, find us online at foodstartupspodcast.com. Dot com.